no, no. I think we got to do something else unfurled. We we did that the last time. A lot of people enjoyed the rant. They were giving us a lot of good feedback about it. But I just think you know we we. We already did it once. We already did a parody for the Levitard show once. We just got to try doing something else. I, I don't know. Uh, man, I don't know what to do. We're not doing anything we're gonna... else. We're doing another rant because that's what the people want. And we have our thumb on the pulse of Bonination. And if they want another rant, we're going to give them another rant, damn it. Give me the music. All right, give it to them again, I guess. All right. <laughs> ah. Unlike VCU... We've got fryers! So Kyle Lofton just turned his onions into onion rings! <laughs> That's two rings, baby! You got bones? We got muscle! <laughs> Speaking of bones, he's no longer going by busy bones! After Kyle Lofton and Dom Lops turned him around so much to run the other way, he's not going by Dizzy Bones! <laughs> Jalen Shaw has more A-10 rings than Obi Toppin! Yes! Alright, Unfurled, you got me into this. Give it to me again! Give it to me again! Again! VCU fans were upset about a bad charge call on Bones in the first half! Now you know what every single A-10 team feels like in that cafeteria you all play in. Uh, was it, it, that was a bad call, though. <laughs> the best defense played against us in UD Arena was by that security guard who choked out our videographer. That really needs to be a lawsuit right there. Captain Beer was specifically given an A-10 championship shirt from the team. Oh! Oshun double-double, Kyle Lofton 23 points, VCU 5 losses in A-10 title games. That's even more losses than the number of Super Bowl losses from the Buffalo Bills. Oh, I'm sorry about that one. Did some little damage on us. Your turn. Pass it to me. Give it to me. Did you hear that? What's that? Did you hear that? Oh, I hear it now. That's not the sound of Oshun volleyball spiking a ball off all your heads. That's the sound of your fans retreating back to the capital of the Confederacy. <laughs> we emasculated VCU so bad, their worst fan is literally rooting for Will Wade. Virginia is an open carry state. So are Ohio and Indiana. And Oshun just open carried the A-10 trophy right across state lines! Yeah! Take the rock! Take the rock! I am from give it to me again! Give it to me again! Capione! Capione! Ole! 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 The infamous VCU fan Pav said it was better to sing an opera song than to play it on a podcast. Well, Mr. Pav! I think you might actually be right. Alright, switch up the music. VCU's lame. They've lost the game. They've got no one else but themselves to blame. Bo's Highland fouled, and then he traveled. Hassan Ward threw the ball at Shaw, who laughed. Jalen Shaw laughed yeah. as the Rams crashed. And now they want us to be LSU. 
All right, enough of this parody, the Hey Arnold Carmen parody. Take it back yeah, on Pearl if you want one more time. I got one more in me. Pass me the rock. Give it to me again. Virginia is called the mother of states due to the original colony now being part of six different states. Virginia, you can be the mother of states, but Mark Schmidt is your daddy. Poppy. Eddie Creel and Alpha Okoli. Maury Ten Rings and Obi Toppin. And Marcus Evans. <laughs> Have the Rams stopped screaming yet? The silence of the Rams. St. Louis? Rams? Our last two wins are a defunct NFL team. Virginia is said to be named after Queen Elizabeth, who was called the Virgin Queen. Fact check. Virginia is named after the VCU fan base, who are all the Virgin Kings. Your fan base looks like it stumbled out of Comic-Con. Oh, these championships unfurled. It's a double rainbow. A double rainbow. SB Unfurled and Friends, episode 28. Two titles down, one to go. Welcome everybody to episode 28 of SB Unfurled and Friends. Congratulations to the 2021 A10 champions, the double champions. Um, I believe that's the St. Bonaventure Bonnies. Is that what they're nicknamed? Yeah, that's right. Huh, interesting. Right. I've never heard of them, right? No way. That's right. Double champions, baby. Lil Bon X here with SB Unfurled. How's it feel? We're two-thirds of the way there. Oh, yeah. Two out of three, right? We got six more games to win. Uh, yep. <laughs> so Six more wins, and that's with two ends, so 12 more ends. Yeah. Six wins. This is the first time either of us have been able to see this team live, and it was well worth the wait. We oh, wow, yeah. to Dayton, and our team took care of business. It felt so good to be in the arena for that. Uh, just a, a fantastic win. And like I said earlier and I was telling my friends this, I couldn't have drawn up a better route for us, for me personally, than to go Duquesne, St. Louis, and VCU and to pretty much control every game. I mean, these teams really, for the bulk of this tournament, weren't even close to us, heads and shoulders above all the other teams as the one seed. And it just feels so, so awesome. Yeah, I mean, it was impressive. It was just so much fun to, like I said, like you said, absolutely just be there and, you know, finally hear the first Let's Go Bonus chant. It was weird because at the same time, it felt like I hadn't heard it in years, but in the other way, it also felt like I had just heard it like last week. It's it's just yeah. so weird and it felt so good to be back. And I know some of the players, I believe Lofton at least said in the post game that it was impressive to finally, or it was important for them to finally hear some fans and just to get that kind of energy boost because they've been in quiet arenas basically all of the season. And we had, we definitely had a great trip over to uh, Dayton. Yeah, I was sitting behind, I think it was Jalen Attaway, friend of SB Unfurled and Friends, maybe his brother and dad or some relatives, but they were cheering for, for Jalen and Oshun's entire, the Shun squad was out in full force dancing yes, to the were. music, saying, oh, says no, giving the finger wags, pumping the crowd up. 
Uh, Welch's dad was there. I'm sure a lot of the other players' families were there. It was it was just great, great atmosphere. I would say probably sixty to seventy percent Bana fans, uh, yeah. maybe twenty twenty percent VCU, and then Dayton fans were there too. Yeah, and Dayton fans, thank you so much if you are listening to this. I don't know why they would be considering they're worried about the NIT right now. Oh, that's an unnecessary shot at them. But they were giving us a lot of tickets. They were selling us plenty of tickets for face value. I had at least six or seven fans throughout the week leading up to it. Just yeah, hitting they were me up like, hey, I got 10 tickets. I got four tickets. I got two tickets. And you know, I, I connected a few students and other people with it. But, you know, yeah. I, I can only do so much without investing on my own end. But if you want to look at what actually happened on the court, where where do you think the game really turned in the second half especially because it was we controlled for most of the game I would say other than the first four to five minutes where VCU got out to an early lead I think we saw the uh, culmination of just how we were able to disrupt um, just them on on offense because they they shot very inefficiently yeah I thought uh Lofton I mean we said going into this game he didn't even have to take a shot and he could still be the most important player maybe uh, just because of VCU's defense and how they turn you over and get into the lane. Lofton taking care of the ball was huge for us. Not only did he do that, only two turnovers against this VCU defense, he came up and hit massive shots. Uh, our leading scorer, 23 points, he hit four threes, which for the bulk of the season, people were saying, you know, where is Lofton from deep? Uh, he didn't have very good numbers from deep, but it seemed like if he took one step in, he could hit. Uh, it was completely different in this game. He was hitting from three, and I, I thought he was taking it a little personally. After the after the game, during the celebration, he said, like, oh, they had me second team, and this is during the trophy celebration. So he's still thinking about this. <laughs> he takes this stuff personally. He holds a grudge. He's out for spite. Um, and I love that about him, to be honest, that chip on his shoulder. Any edge he can get. I know that he saw Bones Highland win A-10 Player of the Year, and that team came out and just, uh, other than Bones' free throws, I mean, they were they were all over him, and it was it was an impressive, impressive all-around performance. Yeah, it's true, and I also think that Oshun really did a great job, especially in the first half, just disrupting how they were shooting because he only had three blocks, which it felt like he had almost as many as he had against St. Louis. And he was just all over the boards. There was very little chance of anybody like Hassan Warder or Courtney Stockard's cousin getting any rebounds there. I think also he was able to find some space to score on offense since he was 5 of 6. He had 14 and 12, so a nice double-double for him there. I think it was just an all-around great performance by him and Lofton. And I think Oshun Mm -hmm. did deserve the MVP for... Yeah, I believe was it for the game or the whole tournament? The tournament. It was yep. for the tournament, right? So yep. I, I believe he deserved it just on what he did against St. Louis and how in the first half he basically just absolutely destroyed VCU in the paint. The one block he had. Do you hear that? Wait, what is that? <laughs> the one block he had. It like most ocean blocks and this happened in this game people are cheering yeah ocean yeah rejection get out of here oh says no his family's yelling that block he had people were just like oh uh what the hell just happened and people were like looking around they weren't even celebrating they were like holy shit that was 
crazy. He almost made the ball explode. And (laughs) then people just started laughing. Like, it's like something you see when someone in JV or like Biddy basketball does something funny and the crowd's laughing. The crowd was like, Mm -hmm. Lofton was bringing the ball up the court laughing at how absurd that block was. Just (laughs) his defensive presence is unlike anything I've really seen here. And we've had some really good, like Caswell Cyrus, of course. Andrew was really good down low, especially his freshman season. But Oshun just changes the entire game and what we're able to do. Um, And he's just, I think he's the difference uh, comparing us to the 2018 team, really, when you go into these yeah. these tournaments, NCAA tournaments against the P5, Oshun is really what I think sets this team apart, having that really good big man. And we can get into it a little bit later when we start talking about LSU and how we match up against them. But I think that's absolutely true if you compare it to the last time we made the tournament in 2018. I'd rather kind of have that little bit of an weird hole or a mismatch or an out-of-position player at the four than the five. Because we had yeah. that in 2018 where Stockard was the four and Griffin was the five. And while we did beat UCLA in the first four game, even if we were kind of at 100%, I don't know how much of a chance we would have had against that Florida team because mm-hmm. of that size mismatch. Whereas if I'm looking at this LSU team and there's not that much of a size mismatch on no. the other, other, I'm really all across the team there. We're but bigger. Getting back to VC. Yeah, getting back to VCU, though, I think Lofton really has come along very strongly shooting from deep as well because, unfortunately, the only real rough game that I really saw out of the starters was Jaron Holmes. He was was 3 of 16. All three of them were just like little runners in the lane. He was forcing some threes. He had one really bad. like He was trying Mm -hmm. to be Damian Lillard, like chucking it from the logo, and it just airballed miserably. And... I think maybe he got a little bit out of sorts and tried to do a little too much in the championship. Maybe I I have faith in Jaron to, you know, kind of correct that for Saturday. But I think Lofton was able to um, overcompensate and help out with with that lack of shooting from Jaron because he was four or five from three. And the announcers, when I rewatched the game back, were saying, oh, Kyle Lofton, he's only 20 percent or whatever he was on the season. But he's shows he's much better than that. Well, he definitely proved it because his four makes were just absolutely beautiful, incredible shots that were, yeah. you know, pretty, pretty great. And even the one miss I think was actually not that bad of a miss. So he's mm-hmm. really turned it on strong because I believe he was shooting over 50% or close to 50% at the end of the A-10 regular season, at least. And I'd have to look at the the tournament stats, but I definitely can see based on shooting 80% in, in mm-hmm. the championship game that he definitely kept that up. And we shot better from three than from two in that game. Uh, yeah. We shot over 40%, kind of well over 40% from three, eight of 19, only 17 of 43 from two. That's under 40%. And in large part because Adaway and Holmes combined to go just four of 20 from two. Uh, but Adaway made up for it with those two threes. And that was really early on in the game, kind of like Vasquez did against St. Louis, helping us set the pace early um, and taking advantage. Uh, I thought we could have taken a little bit more advantage when Highland was out. Can't remember exactly what it was at halftime. Uh, and I, I just think we, we did take advantage of that though. 
And the reason I can't remember is because I was pounding, pounding beers. <laughs> By the way, go back on Unfurled's Twitter account from, I believe you posted it on Tuesday of your yeah. your your credit card receipts or your credit card statement of just that day on Sunday because it was it was impressive. I was like, oh, he put up numbers. I'm proud of you. <laughs> I swear they double charged me on one of those single beers. But yeah, I mean, before the game, I think I bought a round and then one extra and then at halftime, I bought that other round of three because it's it's last call at halftime. Basically, you gotta you yeah. gotta you gotta stock up for the rest this whole second half, you know. Um, and man, I, t- I had to take advantage. It was my first Bonnet game. I had to take advantage. The entire Bonnet fan base was taking advantage. The <laughs> I uh, saw I saw Captain Beer gunning a, a beer in the uh, parking lot. Oh yeah, so. I mean the the <laughs> one concession worker was like. I think she said this to one of my friends. She was like, what are you guys doing? Get it under control. She goes, we only have one keg of McUltra left. You guys have <laughs> drank everything that we have. And oh, no. I was like, well, this is, you know, 25% capacity. <laughs> like, get more kegs. <laughs> they were, they they were prepared for that, though. Well, they were prepared for that, though. But, um, but other than that, like, just being there, what, what did you enjoy the most about just finally being back in the arena? Uh, I enjoyed all the weird VCU fans with their horns and their weird, <laughs> they wear these weird hats that are like half yellow, half black, or some have horns. Like and those like the, Egyptian Pharaoh hats. It's so weird. And then they wear capes. I actually kind of like those. I don't know if it's a Southern thing or like, it's, it's very strange. It's very odd. Um, they were down in, in, at this time, the writing was on the wall that VC was going to lose. They were down eight with like under a minute left, but and Baldwin went to the line and he hit a free throw and their fans are like cheering like and it's not like yeah yeah awesome yeah. let's go it was like woo yeah it was it was very very odd it's a very think, odd fan base i think we saw the two most passionate fan bases but they are two very different Extremely fan bases different. we yeah. made we you made the reference during the rant but we've made those re- jokes before about how <laughs> it's like they're they're cosplaying as basketball yeah. fans almost yeah. is kind of the vibe whereas it's you know they can they can make plenty of uh it's of drunk jokes about plenty bonnie's fans that but that definitely happens that, <laughs> that wasn't actually my favorite part obviously it was no. you know the cutting down the nuts seeing the players so happy and their families all there was really cool um like i saw jaron holmes mom was right in front of me during the the celebration and seeing these guys because the the images of St. Louis doing snow angels in the confetti oh, is stuck oh. in my head. So being able to see like Holmes and Oshun or whoever doing that in our own after we won was really, really cool. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it was just I I love this team so much and they just seem like they deserve it. They yeah we all kind of felt like this wouldn't happen for a time, you know, whether it was a year ago or even over the summer, we didn't even know if we'd have I mean, a November. Season. Yeah. November. We didn't, we didn't, didn't even play. We didn't play our non-conference basically. We didn't know if we'd have a season or what the hell was going to happen. We we knew we had an awesome roster and we knew this, this is what this team was capable of with all these good players, but we were worried that we couldn't see it come to fruition. So I was just thinking about, how you know this isn't guaranteed this year uh it was never guaranteed and we did get to see it come to fruition even though for so long we were worried that like hey we might not even get to see this team play
It kind of reminded me about the picture of the St. Louis dog pile with Travis Ford on top of it. And the picture, which objectively is a cool-looking picture, but it's heartbreaking because it was when Caputo missed that three in 2019. We have a very iconic photo for a different reason out of it. It was after the game. The Bonnies were celebrating. This was maybe 10 seconds after the game, after the final buzzer. And Mm -hmm. Lofton and O'Coley and a couple others went over to stand up on the scores table. And the team's main videographer went out on the court and got chokeholded basically by a UD arena security guard and it's gone everywhere. I have seen this on like, not on Fox. I don't watch Fox news, but I saw somebody share a link to Fox news's website. I'm like, if they're talking about this, this is, you know, spreading like wildfire to a bunch of different other msn.com, which I didn't even know existed. And like a bunch of other on their Instagram, which Reuters, Reuters, millions of followers. Yeah. Reuters and just other, other, national large local whatever media outlets were just sharing this all over the place what did you i didn't even see this actually happening because i was too busy celebrating i'm pretty sure you were probably too busy celebrating like what did you even know when did you know about this (laughs) i did not see the chokehold happen i was watching the players i was like right in front of the players when they jumped up onto the scores table or whatever that is to right in front of the families. I was right in there videoing it, watching the players celebrate. And a couple seconds after that, I looked over and Attaway was in like the corner of the court yelling (laughs) at that security guard. And he was like screaming at Attaway. And then Schmidt came over and I I think Schmidt came over and maybe another person on the staff came over and I think Holmes might have been yelling at him. And I was just like, what the hell is going on? Why are they Why are they yelling at security? Why is security screaming at Attaway right now when they should be celebrating? And it wasn't until probably the ride back that I saw it pop up on Twitter. <laughs> see, I didn't even see it until well after on Twitter because I, th- I think I was – we were tr- some of us were trying to go to um, behind the basket to eventually kind of see most of the celebration, them cutting down the nets and the trophy and all that. So I think I kind of missed it in all that mad rush. But, yeah, my first thing – my first experience seeing it was on Twitter several hours later and I see that picture. And I'm like, I hope this guy was okay, right? They didn't, like, injure him. He wasn't doing anything wrong. And yeah. at, once I heard that was the case – I just couldn't stop laughing at O'Coley's face because O'Coley was legitimately concerned, and I'm glad, rightfully so. But in right. just that split second, O'Coley's like, what is going on? And I <laughs> I saw uh, Petey Bucket shared the, the two pictures side by side of the, the Caputo 3 in 2019 mm-hmm. and that picture from 2021. And I'm just like, look at this growth of Alpha O'Coley, the yeah. evolution. This is, this is awesome because he had two great reactions. And then um, just on top of all that, I've – went back and rewatched the the broadcast on Monday and I was a little disappointed for the team because I feel like it took them a little bit out of the moment of actually celebrating because it took for a split second within, you know, 30 seconds of them actually officially winning the game. This is happening. This guy who's a main videographer, if he's the guy who does most of the videos I've seen from Gobanis, he does an incredible job. He's done yeah. an incredible job this season. If it's that guy or he's one of the two, I don't know how many people yeah. do that kind of thing. But they've been putting out great videos. I'm sure he's involved with it. I'm sure he's very intimately close with them because he's got to be probably like a tier one type person who's kind of like involved with you know the team with all that access. 
Right. I, I think that just kind of detracted from the celebration a little bit, and I hope it didn't get the guys down too much, and I, I don't think it did because they eventually ran into the locker rooms to all get their cell phones to kind of, you know, capture the celebrations and everything. And I think th- I think they, they had great fun on the court afterwards still, even after that, that just – that. I don't know, like that. I heard some things where that 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 guy was kind of being a hard ass to him beforehand, and I I think we just have maybe a, maybe a Paul Blart Pardo <laughs> situation going on here. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's odd because that the cameraman who I I checked him out on Twitter, and I wanted to see if he wanted to come on here and talk about it, <laughs> but I don't think his DMs were open, so I really couldn't. But I'm sure he's busy yeah. doing other. Anyway, um, it, he's probably he has, he's probably he's probably in a well. I was gonna say Indianapolis, Indianapolis, yeah. Bloomington, wherever they are. He's probably there with them, do, getting all the video for this week. I'm sure because he. I saw someone say that he had Tier One press credentials, and he was on the court the entire time filming it. So that's where the confusion was because most media isn't Tier One, and they didn't want only Tier One people can be on yeah. the court, which. Yeah, I get that. It's, you want to err on the side of caution, but you had seen this guy during the game. You should right. have known that he was tier one through the school. I, I, I don't know. I, I I don't think I don't I don't know if it's the University of Dayton or the A10 or the arena itself. I don't know. Somebody somebody needs to explain a little bit more because Bonaventure I didn't think has done as much as they can explaining what happened. Bona fans are the only ones allowed to put people in headlocks to protect our team. <laughs> Not that guy. Um, uh, anyway, <laughs> yeah, so I think I, yeah, I think I, that popped up and I saw it on Twitter at, we stopped off, um, got on the road right after the game, stopped off in a Mansfield, Ohio Applebee's yeah. to watch the selection show and Ohio state, we're in Ohio state country. They were in overtime when we got there against Illinois in the big 10 oh. championship, I believe. So they were watching that, which is funny. Cause that. That game didn't influence seeding at all. Illinois was going to be the number three one seed, and Ohio State was going to be a two seed. And the committee, I'm sure, probably you know they usually mail it in on Sunday, anyways. I don't think they. I think they probably should have bumped us up to probably an eight or even a seven seed. But they, yeah. I think once once selection Sunday rolls around, they basically have it locked in stone. Oh yeah, they're like, if this happens, this is what we're doing. It doesn't matter if we beat VCU by sixty, we're getting a nine seed. Um, it doesn't matter if VCU beats us by fifty. Like VCU and us were going to be the nine and the ten. If we if they VCU... would have flip flopped us, we would be playing Oregon. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. So if we lost. But yeah, I mean, watching the it, it's it's awesome because we know we're in. So when we get down to the fourth region and we're still not on the bracket, we're still you know I mean we assume we're going to be anywhere from seven to ten. So maybe you're nervous about getting an eight, nine, ten, whatever. But at least we knew this time that we were going to be on. But you just see, yeah. I figured we'd be an eight or nine. So the first eight that popped up was Oklahoma. And I'm just going, <laughs> give me Joe Castiglione. Give me Joe Castiglione, please. And it wasn't. It was like Missouri. And then. That would have been a good one, too, because Oklahoma, it just was announced Wednesday afternoon, their second leading scorer is actually going to miss the first two right. games of the yeah. tournament because of COVID. Yeah. And then the next eight, I think, was North Carolina. And I was like, come on, give me a – I want to take down a blue blood. That would be cool. We did it with UCLA. Give me another. Um, but, nope, that was Wisconsin. And then Loyola, Chicago popped up, and I said, 
They do it every time. They're going to put two mid-majors against each other in that 8-9. So one of them loses. I shouldn't say mid-major, non-P5. I I thought for sure we were going to be up against Loyola, but that was Georgia Tech. So then all the way down to the last bracket, we get LSU. Yeah, and I didn't want to play Loyola just because, like you said, I don't want to face off against a fellow non-P6. I was really hoping we'd somehow, I don't know if it would have been 7 or 10, 8 or 9, however it was, I was really hoping out of all those teams that are in the 7 through 10 slot, I was really hoping we were going to play Clemson. I was going into Selection Sunday after winning. I was like, we got, I want to play Clemson. I feel like they're the weakest seed, and I think mm. Rutgers is going to roll them in that game, personally. And I, yeah, I would much rather play Clemson than LSU right Interesting. now. Interesting, because I, my top choice would have been Rutgers, so. <laughs> well, we we're familiar with Rutgers, so yeah, I, I would say we might have a better chance at beating Rutgers than Clemson. I think if mm-hmm. Clemson's not familiar with Rutgers, but we're not a Rutgers podcast. We're not a Clemson podcast. Getting back to us, I had a feeling once it was um, LSU, I was like, yeah, we're going to be the nine seed here, and this is where it is. I know somebody who's an LSU fan, so like within three minutes, I was texting him, and then he was like, oh, yeah, go G-E-A-U-X Tigers. I'm like, G-E-A-U-X Bonnies. <laughs> and, that, and then and I'm like, oh, now it's on. LSU is an interesting matchup. It's a little bit of a clash of styles between yeah. us. I think it's going to be very. I think it's going to be a very fun game. I think it's going to be very interesting. It's it's going to depend on who controls the flow of the game because LSU tends to play a little more up tempo. Not enti- not entirely up tempo. They're not exactly. Um, I don't know, like a just like an NBA team running mm-hmm. and gunning or anything yeah. like that. But they're but they're definitely more up tempo than us, that's for sure. Oh yeah. What do you what, what first jumps out of you with this matchup? Um, they're really really young. They don't have much experience at all. They're one of the least experienced teams in the in the entire country. Yeah. And like you said, uh, they it is com- two completely different styles. They very very offensive oriented. I think we're more balanced if you go offense and defense. Uh, we're, you know, top 40 offense and defense, their defense is lacking. They don't really guard people. They just look to push the tempo and get points quickly. They're one of the highest scoring teams in the country, but defensively, we are, we have one of the best scoring defenses in the country. So something's got to give. It's like the old, um, unstoppable force meets immovable (laughs) object type thing. So when LSU has the ball, it's going to be really, really interesting how that shakes out. Uh, I saw once once the bracket came out, people were saying, man, Bonnas got screwed. LSU should be a sixth seed or a seventh seed. They're really deep. They're not deep. They play like – in this tournament, they'll probably just go seven deep. Maybe an eighth guy will play a couple minutes, but they're not deep and we're not deep. It's not like we're going up against a team that's running out ten guys uh, like a Florida State does. So I, I think that was a little overhyped and – if anyone got screwed to me, it's LSU. If they should be a six seed and all of a sudden they're in an eight, nine playing against us, one of the best defense yeah. in the league, they're the ones who got screwed. So it's like the good men's of the world don't look at it from that perspective, but it's important to look at it from that perspective. Like I, I think 
if you get in the tournament in this range of seeding, you're not playing any bad teams. Everyone's a tough matchup. Every team that's in the tournament from one all the way through, you know, the 10, 11 seeds is really, really good. Uh, so, you know, it's just, I, I'm, I'm happy that we're not, to be honest, I, I hate looking ahead, but you know, LSU and Bonas are probably happy that they're opposite Michigan and not Gonzaga or, or Baylor. Oh, totally. I'd rather trade a little bit of a tougher eight, nine matchup. I'd rather trade for instance, LSU instead of playing. I don't know. I don't really, I don't really think uh, UNC might be as tough as the others. I'd rather play LSU a little tougher in the first game and then get the weakest for them to possibly play Baylor or Gonzaga or even Illinois. But I saw an interesting tweet today that points to your, um, I guess that makes your point. It's from this guy on Twitter named at SB unfurled. He (laughs) said in the SCC championship, LSU went seven deep and had 18 bench minutes in the a 10 championship. Bonaventure went seven deep and had 18 bench minutes. Yeah. So yeah, lack of a bench, at least being utilized towards crunch time here. And I think you see that a lot of teams, they, they definitely shorten up their benches. We're dead last in the country still, but (laughs) LSU's towards the bottom third. Just looking through Ken Palm. And, you know, we're also going through Kempom before getting into individual matchups. The one broad thing that I see that jumps out to me where we really need to attack is the offensive glass. LSU is towards the bottom in the country in allowing offensive rebounds where we're top. We're 31st in the country in getting offensive rebounds. So that's going to be key. That was definitely key against um, Virginia Commonwealth. I don't know why I just said their whole name like that, but... (laughs) (laughs) But I was almost going to say Missouri. I don't know what I'm all confused. <laughs> Anyways, it was definitely a huge key for us because definitely in the second half when the offense started to tighten up a little bit and, you know, a little bit of a crunch time, VCU was starting to cut into our 17 point lead in the second half. Some of those key buckets were off of uh, Holmes getting deep into the paint or, or, or Dom Welch tipping it in. Yeah. That's going to be key because I, we mentioned it earlier, LSU you would think LSU is supposed to be way bigger than the Bonnies, but they're pretty similarly sized. I think, yeah, their guard uh, cook is barely six feet. So, I mean, Lofton has the advantage there. Their big man, Watford, six, nine, Oshun has the advantage there. And nice. then their, their nice wings advantage. are, yeah, exactly. Very nice. And all their wings are right around where ours are, you know, that six, four, six, five range. Um, if anyone has the the size advantage, surprisingly, it's us by a little bit, um, and we are super athletic. So it's not like we're coming in as uh, I, I don't know. Name your random non P six unathletic team. Uh, it, it's not like that at all. We are extremely athletic and very very balanced and fundamentally sound, as as you all know. So when you're looking at LSU. Like when you see that name, you might automatically think, "Man, they're probably huge." Uh, you think of Shaq and you think of yeah. Shaq and Big Baby Davis is what and, you think of. And Shaq's, <laughs> Shaq's son is on the roster; he's not playing. That's but, true. Uh, true you're like, "Wow, they're probably really huge. They probably go super deep." Um, and that's just not the case. They're pretty average height, and they don't go deep at all. So um, it's really just. And you mentioned the giving up offensive rebounds. I think that I don't know exactly if that's because of their size or what me, it might be just because they really want to get out and push the pace. So they're not crashing the the glass, the defensive right. glass. They're looking to run in transition. 
So, I mean, that could be one of the factors. It, it, it might surprise you. I'm not sitting around watching SEC basketball. So, no. I, <laughs> scouting report I to is. The Paul, I listen to the Paul Feinbaum radio show just to hear Mark Schmidt. And I, it was, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm envious that like, oh, you have these big programs and you, your fans like know almost nothing about basketball because of some of yeah. the questions they were asking. Yeah. Not necessarily LSU specific fans, but just general SEC fans were, were kind of doing that stuff. <laughs> I would love to take down two football factories. Just yes. give me, I mean, these schools. I'm I mean, you sure. could argue Michigan's more of a basketball school right now, for being yeah, honest. Yeah, true. <laughs> Juwan Howard has been the hire, not uh, whatever his name is not there. Jim Harbaugh. Uh, Jim Harbaugh, yeah. But you just look at a school like Bana's, so basketball-oriented, and then just juxtapose with these massive football stadiums. I think Michigan has the biggest – football stadium in the entire Western hemisphere, maybe the world, uh, the big house. And then you look at, at Bonas and it's just, it's, it would be awesome to, to take yeah. down some giants. No, it would be, but getting back to our, some of these kind of individual matchups, the guy that we're really going to have to focus on is Cameron Thomas for LSU. He's, yeah. I don't know if he's a consensus first round NBA draft pick, or I think he's consensus first. I don't know if he's consensus lottery, but he's right around that lottery, yeah, uh, 20-ish fringe area, kind of the, the draft. He's an incredibly good 6'4 guard forward. I kind of want to see Dom Welch on him. I think Dom might have a little bit more of the size than Lofton might have to kind of keep him at away from getting towards a good shot, like or on the three-point line, trying to get open. I think he can kind of close that gap a little bit whenever – Cameron Thomas wants to get open because he's going to be their primary offensive threat. Yeah. And then I think it's, it's kind of like, you know, focusing on bones for L or for VCU. But I think Cameron Thomas is probably better than bones, at least at this stage in his development. But the other main matchup I want to focus on is Trendon Watford against Oshun. Oshun has an inch on him. Like you said, mm-hmm. Trendon Watford seems like he's, more of your typical slower center with the size yeah. of, of him kind of he's 240 so he's you know Big bigger guy. than Oshun but but you know not taller so I think Oshun maybe can pull him out on some of those pick and rolls and kind of confound him on those screens and then I think Oshun I the what I've seen out of him out of plenty of these big guys I think he can handle somebody like Watford who does play a lot for them he does. And then their third, their third best guy is Darius Days. Going a little bit off of stats, like we said, we're not, not watching plenty of SEC basketball. Peaked on them, in on them a little bit. But Darius Days is six seven, so he's a little bit bigger than Attaway, and he's definitely heavier at two forty five. Mm-hmm. But that could be a, a similar situation to what we see with St. Louis, where Attaway can pull somebody out, or we even saw it against Davidson, where Attaway pulls out their four, their big guy, who's usually six nine, and that disrupts their defense down low because one guy is battling with Oshun. Then you have your other big guy way out that could create lanes for Holmes and Welch to drive in or Lofton to drive in. Days is a matchup that I'm worried about. Uh, yes, and yes. I, because he he's a four, he's six, seven, he'll play the four, but he can shoot threes. He shot 
over 100 threes, and he's you know almost 40% from three. Uh, his true shooting percentage and effective field goal percentage, if you want to get into all that, top 50 in the entire country. Offensive rating is phenomenal, top 30 in the country. So he's 6'7", a huge, he's a big body, but he is really, really good offensively. He can extend out. So, I, yeah, Attaway, that's a, a good matchup for Attaway to have. I think Attaway will be on him most of the game. Um, and then, like you said, I agree. I, I would like to see Welch on Thomas, too. Uh, these guys, LSU has three guys that shoot a lot of threes. Um, yeah. they, they're not like a, a Villanova or a Davidson where they're just chucking threes. It is pretty balanced. They do go inside, but at the same time, they, they are, they take so many shots with that up pace tempo that they get a lot of threes and a lot of twos, you know? So, um, hopefully we catch two of them on a inefficient night. And I think with our defense, not giving up all those open looks, um, not sagging off on Watford because I don't know how much of an offensive threat he, he really is. He, to be honest, he can shoot threes as well. So Ocean is going to have to come out and extend out and be able to guard Watford on the perimeter, which I think he can do. We might even see a little bit. I would of imagine jump. Ocean's quicker than him, though. And, and he has and yeah. he has the wingspan and, and an inch on him. So hopefully that, right. would, that would help close out on him. Yeah, I don't see Watford taking too many threes in a NCAA tournament game. It's probably just stats that he accumulated randomly. Um, I don't think their game plan is going to be to go Watford shooting threes. It's going to be Thomas. It's going to be Smart. It's going to be Days extending out. Uh, and, you know, Schmidt Schmidt and his staff did a phenomenal job, I thought, preparing for VCU in that entire week. Um, we did get a little help with Bones being out most of the first half, but this team's going to have that scouting report down and they're going to know every one of these guys, little nuances. So I'm really excited to see how we match up against this team. I think we match up. Okay. I really do. Yeah. There's, there's, there's ways we can match up with them. And and that's why I think this is basically the only 50, 50 coin toss of any game. Some of these games are like 55, 45. Mm -hmm. I know the, I look at on the ESPN tournament challenge. It's like, 70 30 but i think that's just a lot of people playing the brand name they probably don't even know yeah. who saint bonaventure is like guys like Shaq was obviously picking lsu to win it all because he went to lsu but yeah. just people who like even Dwayne wade's bracket i saw today and i'm like oh he doesn't even know who saint bonaventure is probably <laughs> so i i think i think it's going to be a great measuring stick to see how we stack up because we have not seen many of these non-conference teams obviously LSU is coming off a very great performance, almost beating Alabama in the SEC title game. But LSU has had a couple clunker losses. They lost by 91-78 against Georgia recently. The beginning of the season, SLU fans have told me that that LSU looks way different than they did back in the early part of the season. I believe this was early December, but St. Louis won 85, 81. And there were just some weird numbers in this Javante Perkins with 32 points and Cameron Thomas, 25. And if St. Louis can beat them scoring 85 points, I, I think we can kind of hang with them almost no matter what. Now I would much rather this game be like in the sixties or low seventies than to get in the eighties. I mm-hmm. saw the total was around 144, and I'm really hoping we hit the under on that one. Yeah, they don't play much defense, like I mentioned earlier. So we've been really good at sharing the ball. Um, Attaway on on some of those baseline cuts, even Welch on those baseline cuts, whether you throw the alley-oop or you get them with a little bounce bounce pass, cutting down the baseline. Um, Attaway inside, I want to see him turn it on a little more from the mid-range and get inside a little more. 
because uh, he was off from inside three. So uh, against VCU, I should say. Um, so if if Attaway and Holmes can get a little bit more efficiency going, and we still have those threats of Lofton and Welch on the outside, and then feeding Oshun down low. This LSU team on defense might have a little bit of trouble with with how balanced we are. And I know Schmidt and the staff are going to find holes in that LSU defense and look to exploit their their weakness. If, if Schmidt's good at, I mean, he's good at a ton of things, but one thing he's very good at is finding holes in the other team, finding weaknesses in our opponents and exploiting those things. And for LSU, that's defense. Yeah, and one other guy to mention for LSU, I don't think we mentioned his name, Javante Smart. He's kind mm-hmm. of a sharpshooter for them. He's yeah. pretty up there in the country in three-point shooting. Uh, 122nd in the country in three-point shooting. 42% on the year. Not sure how that quite compares to our guys like Lofton and Welch and them. But I know on off- on defense, we're incredibly good at defending the three. So I'd imagine somebody like Holmes or maybe Lofton, depending on matchups and switching and all that. Maybe yeah. that would be somebody who could could guard him and kind of keep him quiet from three that compares Welch is 181st. So Welch is slightly 1% lower than Javante smart. So that's mm-hmm. kind of a frame of reference. He's basically like their Dom Welch kind of sharpshooter out there. That would be one other guy to watch out for. But I think we mentioned the big three. I think Cameron Thomas is obviously the one who could sink us by putting up 30, 35 points on us. If things go badly, I think, Trendon Watford, if he gets Oshun in foul trouble or is able to find some kind of mismatches with his size, like that could be something too. And then also Darius Day's similar mismatches with Attaway. Yeah. But I guess just kind of broadening this out before we wrap it up, we can't really assume much about the rest of the bracket. You know, we, you would, you would like to think that Michigan can at least get out of the Mount St. Mary's Texas Southern winner, but Hey, things happen. Who knows? Maybe we'll have a Boca Bobby battle between Mount St. Mary's and the Bonnies in the second round. That would be, I would be ecstatic if that happens. Uh, but I think if we would be LSU, maybe we'll drop a quick emergency pod just to give somebody a little <laughs> bit of people, a little bit of a preview of Michigan, but just generally speaking, when you look at the East and, and how everything stacks up, what do you think of uh, our, you know, our region? I really wanted Appalachian State, the 16 seed opposite <laughs> Michigan. That would have been yes. Cool. That would have been awesome. Um, I like Georgetown. I think they're really cool. I hope they upset Colorado. They went on a tear. It was awesome seeing Patrick Ewing win a Big East title for his alma mater in uh, in the Garden. That was really really neat. Even though they stole a bid, um, and. I don't know. I kind of think the East might be the weakest of the regions. Uh, I know Alabama's good, but hey, maybe Rick Pitino knocks off Nate Oates. And then, um, <laughs> you know, UConn, Maryland is a, eh, I, I hope, you know, pageant mom, Danny Hurley gets knocked out. <laughs> and uh, Texas, eh, they're, they're, they're pretty good. They'll probably move on. But overall, like looking at the bracket, I, I don't know. I, I kind of think this region isn't as strong um, as some of the but other ones. I think ones, that's a good but... thing, not only for us, but just every team is. I think it's a complete yeah. free for all. I think I, this, I could see, yeah. I could see, you know, <laughs> I could see eight to ten teams possibly coming out of this, and one <laughs> yeah. one of those is obviously the Bonnies. But I think Colorado. I, I I actually think I'm higher on Colorado than most people. I think Colorado's, you know, they're a one of the best free throw shooting teams like ever. 
and I'm not even exaggerating. Like you look at the historical stats, they're up there. They're easily number one in the country this year. They're really good. Yeah. Uh, Florida State's tough. I don't, I'd be happy. To see. Yeah. I'd be happy though. I'd be okay with seeing them in a little Sweet 16 rematch if we got that down that far. Obviously, mm-hmm. Michigan, like we mentioned, with Isaiah Livers out, that's uh, definitely more of a favorable matchup. But even so, Michigan doesn't have a ton of size. So even if you were to you know come back and play some limited minutes, and we got that far, we can get into them hopefully if we beat LSU. But I think if we were to have that matchup, I think we have a chance. I, I, it's certainly more than any of the other three one seeds. Then just in the other half of the bracket, I think Texas, Alabama, UConn, I think those three are kind of in a free-for-all. I think BYU is a very weak six seed. Yeah. I think BYU and LSU probably should be flip-flop probably. Maybe if you could make that argument, I'm sure some SEC fans would. But I think yeah. Michigan State has a perfect chance of possibly getting out of that and getting to the Sweet 16 down there. But I think this, I think the East is going to be very fun. I, I see the second, we're on like the the if you look at it on the paper kind of the left half of the bracket i think the right half of the bracket is going to be mostly chalk i think if there is one region that goes totally haywire it and it's you know there's one every year sometimes too if there's one this year i think it's going to be the east uh, let's get a bonnie's unc greensboro sweet 16 game why not Ooh yeah why not <laughs> why not <laughs> i had a yukon fan actually show me his bracket and he's and he's not associated with the bonnie's at all and he has the Bonnies losing to UConn in the Elite Eight. And I'm like, I love this, but I also don't want to oh. lose to Danny Hurley in the Elite Eight. Oh, that would be horrible. <laughs> but it just it still doesn't feel like Danny Hurley coaches UConn, though. It just, I don't know, maybe it's because they haven't been in the tournament since he got yeah. there until now. Like, it just doesn't feel like Danny Hurley's UConn's coach. Yeah, well, uh, I watched them in some some in the in the Big East tournament and man, he still isn't as annoying as ever. They got talented guards, but if we got that far on the Elite Eight. Yeah, I don't think we'd be in trouble, but that's, I don't know. We're just kind of spitballing all the ideas because it's so hard to preview anything after this Saturday game. The main focus is LSU. We want to mention the rest of the bracket to everybody, but thank you all so much for listening to us here on SB Unfurled and Friends. Be sure to subscribe to us to all your podcast platforms, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, you know it. If you haven't done it already, please do it. Follow us also on Twitter at SB Unfurled, at X and Be sure to be back here. We are hoping this weekend to drop a little bit of an emergency podcast because that means we beat LSU, right? Hope so. G-E-A-U-X-B-O-N-N-I-E-S. Go Bonnies. And let's get another NCAA tournament win. Thank you all for joining us. This is the hour of the NCAA tournament.